Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. You are listening to Nerd at Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I am Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita, and we're here with our friend Peter Sagal. I feel that in, in, in tribute to this week's episode, on this episode of the podcast, we should say sincere things about how much we appreciate each other. Oh. So that next week, we everybody is sad that we die. Oh. What do you think? Where did you get that idea? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it might be dramatically effective. <laughs> is it effective, though? I guess we'll get to it. So we are talking about Season 8, Episode 2. It is called Night of the Seven Kingdoms. And before we even start our conversation... Knight, for the record. Knight. That's Knight. true. That's a good point. Knigget, I believe. Knigget. Is the appropriate <laughs> old English pronunciation. <laughs> Let's listen to this montage that our producer, Justin, so adeptly made this morning, and then we'll start chatting. It's going to be safer down in the crypt, you know. And the time comes, you'll be down in the crypts. They're the safest place to be. We'll put you in the crypt where it's safest. No. You'll be safer in the crypt. These things will fight. I'll be safe down in the crypt. It's just, it's just, when you put them all together, it's amazing. Isn't that great? I just wanted to shout, don't you listen to our podcast? Oh Trisha was God. on to this weeks ago. <laughs> sure. Weeks ago, she was telling oh you, don't goodness. go in the crypt. Okay, so what I'm thinking for this week is first we talk about sort of like the basic ins and outs of this episode, what happened, what we think about it, questions we may have. And then I'm thinking second half, we can talk about who seems most likely to die after those conversations that we heard throughout the episode. I have thoughts about that whole question, but I'll get to them All right. in my usual fashion. So is this the, I mean, this episode takes place in like not even 24 hours. Right. Well, I mean, the clock starts sort of when Tormund, et cetera, get there and they say they'll be here before dawn. Yes. And so it's so maybe like eight hours from that moment, maybe, and who knows how many hours prior to it. And it starts with Jamie basically yes. having walked in yeah. to go, yes. hey, everybody. I'm Jamie. Remember me? <laughs> you know, last week. I did a lot of bad stuff to all of la- you. Last but week. But I'm I- sorry and more brown haired now than yes. I was before. <laughs> because in my travels, I lost my peroxide. Um, <laughs> I, I Last week, I said, oh, my God, it never occurred to me. Jamie Lannister was going to Winterfell, where Bran is. And yeah. I was like, oh, God. And then it never occurred to me, oh, my God, he's going to Winterfell, where Danny, daughter of the man he uh-huh. killed, famously, it's in his name, yep. is hanging out. And I'm like, oh, I'm dumb. But there they were. Now, I guess the first question is, did you buy uh, Danny's forgiveness of him when you started with that? I grew up on stories of how awful you were and what we were going to do to you when we found you. Oh, I don't think she forgives him, but she was outflanked by the Warden of the North. Quite literally. They were on the either Lady side of, her. of Winterfell. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I don't know, though. I mean, it's also like those stories that she was told were by people who are also horrible, right? True. It's you not know, like, like to what extent? Is bo- yeah. It's not like her brother. She didn't have her relationship with her brother anything like they had with Ned Stark. It wasn't right. like she thought her brother was a yeah, virtuous Yeah, she man. was right. never protected by being a Targaryen. Like that didn't right. help her at all until she got those dragons. That's true. You know? Uh, and also, she knows her father was a pretty awful father. She's commented upon that in. in yeah. In, in well, and, and then even later mad. on in the crypt, she talks about how bummed she was that her bro yeah. raped Liana. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. like, she, I don't know. She yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of data points that indicate that well, yeah, she should she be know, allegiant to her she, family. She know, you know? Well, on the other hand, she's been trying, her, as she says later on to Sansa, she's been spending her entire life trying to retrain, um, reclaim her family birthright of the Iron Throne. 
But on the other hand, as we know, she knows her father was a murderous lunatic. So one thing I noticed about that scene is that you can talk about it in terms of plot, like, oh, does she really accept his, his, uh, his what's the word, his apology or his... His non-apology. His non-apology. Yeah, he says, I, you want me to apologize? I won't do it, he says. But not, of course, for killing the king, uh, but for killing nefarious Starks. Um, <laughs> but what was interesting was that scene set the tone for the entire episode in a different way in that... First, Brienne stands up and says, yeah. let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you how I feel about this man. And then uh, Sansa says, let me tell you how I feel about Brienne, each time going over what these characters have done for each other. Yeah, the Which, transitive property of loyalty. Right. But not only that, it's, it's the first of many times in this episode where characters reveal that, among other things, they've been watching Game of Thrones, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Because they, I mean, one of the things about this TV series is that we see things happening and we form judgments upon these things because the thing, what does Brienne really think of Jamie? And doesn't Brienne have loyalty toward Jamie? Or what does Sansa think of, Bri- of, of Brienne because of what, well, now they've been thinking about those things yeah. too. Well, yeah. and I think another example of that is when Tyrion asks Jamie if he thinks that Cersei really is pregnant. Right. You know, like that was another one where it was like, oh, and there's she's right. totally like sitting Genius in for the exterior. audience. Exactly. You know? and, and, and another thing, I mean, we talked about this last week when almost at the very beginning of the episode, Bran said, oh, the, the Night King has broken through the wall. He's got one of your dragons. And very shortly after that, we find out that Cersei isn't really coming with her army. In the beginning of this open episode, Jamie revealed the only other surprise that was really hanging out there. Mm-hmm. Um Cersei has gotten this army of sellswords, 20,000, and there's enough of them to take care of all of us, whoever us survived. Yeah. And I keep thinking of this phrase that comes from, of all things, game theory, which is called perfect information. Yeah. Chess mm-hmm. is a perfect information mm-hmm. game. Both sides know exactly what's going on. There's no secrets. And we're at that point. Yes. Nobody, yes. we, the audience, with a couple of exceptions, don't know anything that the characters don't know, including their own histories, which is one of the reasons why I think the episode... And here I might surprise people. I thought it was so great. <laughs> I really liked it too. But then again, one of my favorite TV writers is Aaron Sorkin, who is flawed in many ways, but I love very dearly. And he always gets guff for the resume recitation that characters mm-hmm. do in mm-hmm. that show, mm-hmm. where you know you meet a character and they'll do sort of their whole backstory right. really quickly and sort of a lot of fast dialogue. We had a lot of that this season. Remember? Remember when you did this and yeah. I did this and you did yeah. this and then I yeah. saw you over here? And yeah. But it also was very human. It was right. I think when you're waiting to die, you have slightly awkward conversations and you reminisce. You do. I think Quite that's maybe at, at what you would do. You know? I mean, and then you'd sing a song. Although around the fire, there were six <laughs> yeah. of them. So they could have been playing catchphrase or charades or something. Yeah, that's even, even number. It would have been great yeah. if they played that game with the name of a character on their foreheads and they had to guess Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. Oh, I'm Aegon the Conqueror, right? Anyway. <laughs> I also How do you mime a wedding it? except for, like, drink, died. Like, right. every wedding in charades <laughs> in, fact, in Game of Thrones. there was a line. Yes. I, I didn't quite hear what he said, but there was actually a line when, when, um, when Beric Dondarrion yes. walked up on, on the Hound and Arya, who were having their moment, one of, like, 400 moments like yeah. this that happened. Uh, he said, what the hell is this? A effing wedding? I think he said a bloody wedding. A bloody yeah. wedding. The yeah. Hound, which, of yeah, course, the is then goes, more it's like a wedding. This, it's like yeah. a wedding. It's yeah. like we're all showing up and like hanging out. And yeah. it's exactly what it was. They were all gathering together to have moments. I liked it, but I did. I, it was so weird to be that emotionally manipulated by this show, I thought. You know, M- like there's just or a or satisfied, Miss Johnson? I think it's some of it felt a little saccharine to me. Like what? Well, like the applause after knighting Brienne. That was interesting. You know, like just moments like that that were just like this 
this world is not this kind usually, you know? But again, when somebody's on their deathbed and they're all looking at each other as if every single one of them is on their deathbed, right. you get much kinder in yes. that moment. Yeah. And, and you know, I have argued, I have said in the past, I hate fan servicing. I've said, you know, oh, you know, it's terrible when the showrunners know why you like these characters and they overdo it, like the whole Tormund, you know, making eyes at Brienne thing. They've overdone that. And yet at the same time, all of my objections fell away because I thought that it was so earned. Hmm. To take perhaps the okay. best example, uh, Brienne being knighted by Jamie. Oh, yeah. In the name of the warrior, I charge you to be brave. In the name of the Father, I charge you to be just. In the name of the Mother, I charge you to defend the innocent. Arise, Brienne of Tarth, a knight of the Seven Kingdoms. of the seven kingdoms that was i have not been as moved by an episode of tv since leslie nope got elected to the city council (laughs) which made me weep ladies and gentlemen because you you just have because let's face it we watch the show because we like the characters for the most part or we hate them if they're ramsey (laughs) <laughs> and and we like them for very specific reasons because they are so whole as people. It's one of the great appeals of this show. They're yeah. not just – they seem like real people. And we know this real person – I'm making a little air quotes – Brienne. And we know because we've watched her for eight years yeah. that the thing that she most wants in this world yeah. is A, to be a knight and B, to be respected by Jamie Lannister. And she gets both. Mm-hmm. And it was – Amazingly powerful. Yeah, it's a huge. I mean, I also think that performance from end to end from her was fantastic. The conversation with Sansa at the beginning to the on the battlefield, like, why aren't you making fun of me? Yes, I loved that. We haven't had a long conversation we ever had without you insulting me, which is a little self-aware. But I, I I get the point. And and but to me, there were two amazing moments with Brienne and Pod. Yeah. Uh, which I watched and saw for the second time, and they both happen in that sequence. The first time is when she says, when Jamie's come up with the idea, like, oh, we can make you a knight. And uh, rather, they say, well, why aren't you a knight? And she says, I never really wanted to be a knight. And she looks at Pod, and Pod, who I don't think has any other lines of dialogue in the whole scene, in the whole show, just looks at her and says, Come on. I know you're lying. Come on. Yeah. And <laughs> we then, talk about this by the campfire. Exactly. And then later on, there was a much more beautiful moment where they're saying, all right, I'm going to knight you right now. And she's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And he, and, and, and he looks at her and he gives the most imperceptible nod. Yeah, like, it was ahead, really man. beautiful. Go ahead. It's okay. I want to go back to that first scene when Jamie shows up mm-hmm. and Brienne stands up for him. Did either of you notice how like Cersei-ish Sansa's outfits Oh my God, that episode? armor was amazing. <laughs> right? I, yeah. Why isn't there a scene? They have so many scenes of all the blacksmiths making weapons. Where is the scene of the costume shop? 
I said the exact same thing last night, Peter, because who is making all of these coats for the Unsullied, too? Yes, like, where is this yeah, happening? they all have, like, where did Varys get his winter robes? Yeah. You know, that still look like his summer robes, but they're wool. What are they, Amazon priming all the clothes? Exactly. Like, yeah. what is like, happening? Like, sometime between last episode and this episode, somebody made Sansa a, a kind of suit of armor. It looks awesome. It looks great, but where is she yeah. getting these things? Well, yeah. from why does the no pilot ever... forward, we yeah. know that she can make really beautiful clothes clothing on her own. Really? That's you true. think she's taking her spare time hammering grommets? But that was into... like embroidering. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was true. But my concern is who is outfitting these very cold uh, yes. armies of the, yeah. you know, southern and, lands. And, 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 I don't know if either of you, probably Trisha, has done any research on this, but for some time now, Sansa has been wearing this necklace, which is a chain yeah. going through a circle, yeah. and it's the one constant in all of her costume changes, and I assume it has some meaning, but I have no idea what it is. Interesting. Maybe oh, the I internet will need knows. to Google yeah, that. Yeah, Trisha will look into that. She'll have answers for us next week. Um, okay, so speaking of perfect information, one question I had for you two was, so we have that scene, the first scene with Arya and Gendry right. in the forge, in the blacksmith yeah. land, and she tells him she knows death, and right. she throws those knives, and and Gendry's like, oh shit, badass! this chick knows how to kill people, right. for real. right. So speaking of perfect information, like, is that that still seems to be something that not everyone gets. Fair. Right. Do you think only Sansa knows that she can change faces? Only Sansa. Well, even Sansa sort of knows that. Right. Because Arya told her. but And she saw the faces in the bag. Nobody's seen it. Yeah. Um, but let's see. And so, even talking to John when she talks about her sword, you know, like, like she made, she's twice. made a lot of like cute jokes to her older siblings yeah. about how once or she's twice, like she's used the sword. Yeah, she's kind, a you know. But yeah, assassin. I think the extent to which she she, she can had that fight, that fight. spar, a sparring match, whatever you want That's to call it, true. with Brienne, and everybody That's who true. saw it is like, what the hey. So I don't think anybody doubts that she can handle herself. There's been, you know, conversation about that. I think uh, Arya is in trouble to anyone who gets in her way. Well, it won't be me, said the Hound. Um, so I think people get that Arya is, has skills. But and that's still different than being a faceless man. That's true. Yeah, I just wonder if that's going to end but up. But we have to keep that secret because there's got to be at least one more face swap in the show. You think so? You yeah. think there's going to be a mission, be Im- there's gonna be a, a mission yeah. impossible type yeah. moment where yeah. you think... Somebody has survived, like maybe Cersei is triumphant, and then Cersei reaches up and pulls off her face, and it's really Arya. I think like that, that Jamie dies, that Arya steals Jamie's face, and that we have a moment where we're not sure whether Arya or Jamie killed Cersei. Yes, because we're I think half of us strong. are going to be rooting for one thing, and half of us will be rooting for the other, and then we'll either see the face rip off or not. It makes sense given all the things we know about the characters and what they want. And it would be a good way to sneak back into King's Landing. It would be. Although mm-hmm. I, one of the things I keep coming oh, back Cersei's to. Oh, Cersei's pissed at Jamie. In the ba- true. True. One of the things I keep coming back to in the back of my mind, or maybe she disguises herself as Bronn. Who knows? But that, no, oh. Bronn is dead. Oh, no. Don't let that happen. <laughs> one of the things I keep thinking about when we're all thinking about next week, which is the big battle, the one we've been hearing about for the entire promotional preseason, there's going to be three more episodes of this TV show after that, and I have absolutely no idea how they're going to fill that time. Yeah. I have no clue about what – I mean, you, I could easily see the battle and then an episode of the aftermath of the battle. Three episodes? I don't know how they're going to fill the time. There are things coming that I I can't anticipate. Well, and one thing I was tempted to also make a montage of were all the clips in this episode of people saying we're going to die. Yes, which is something... it was just everybody said we're going to die. Which is something, die, Greta, you die. pointed out last season yeah. in the last episode. Was, Am I going to die? We're all going to die? And, and if there's one thing about this episode that struck me most powerfully, it's about death. 
both death in their world and death in our world and death on TV shows. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, do you want to play a patriarchy jingle now just to preempt it? Cause no, I'm, no, no. Keep going. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll withhold judgment. We're feeling because benevolent this we'll, morning. We'll, we'll, like I said, we're all, we're all you know, expressing yes. at the end like our actual feelings. And then when we die next week, you'll all feel bad. Here's the thing. So I, I thought a lot about uh, a couple of things. For example, our habit going back years now of gaming out who's going to die. Yeah. And when we do that, when we talk about who's going to die in this TV show, one of the things we're doing is we're saying who's who's going to deserve death, who needs to die. I've said that. I've said Jorah needs to die. On. Right. Yeah. I mean, also, who's played out their storyline. Right. I mean, I remember quoting like uh, Harrison Ford talking about Han. Thank you, Peter. Solo. Correcting that myself for all the nerds who wrote Good in. Good job. Han, Han, not Han, um, <laughs> who marries... Lies with the Z, not least yeah, with an S. Exactly. With an S goes, not Z. Remember, I was quoting him talking about, well, Han Solo has to die because, yeah, because he did his stuff. He did his stuff. He's done. So that's how we think about death in TV shows and movies. Who deserves it? For whom is it the appropriate ending? For whom is it an unjust ending? Well, one of the things I thought that they did was they took all of that off the table. Yeah. They just swiped all the pieces onto the floor because they gave every single character a kind of resolution, right? Everybody got a moment. To take the most important one and the most moving one, Brienne got what she wanted. Jorah got what he wanted. He got honor back in the form of that sword. Um, They reunited. They connected, all of them, with with the possible exception of John and Danny. The only tension left. Yeah. Danny and Sansa. Danny and Sansa a little bit. But even they, I mean, they had that moment that, as I think Glenn Weldon of NPR put it, so failed the Bechdel test so badly that they had to retake (laughs) the class. Oh, God. But nonetheless, uh, so everybody has resolved. So that means that we can no longer say, well, for example, uh, Brienne, uh, Brienne needs a noble death, or we can't say Jamie needs a noble death, because they've all done what they needed to do. They've all arrived at a place of peace. So that means that all I can't tell you who's going to die anymore. And I, I think that's intentional on their part. I think some characters resolved much more strongly than others. Yeah. And I think we should save it for the second half of this damn podcast. All right. And we should get through a couple of other significant plot points and questions and theories. Right. Go on. Um, Jamie did apologize to Bran. Yes, he did. At the tree. And not only did he apologize, but he said something which got repeated a number of times. I'm not the man who I was then. Yes. And Bran says, well, neither am I. And if you hadn't, or I think the thing he says is if you hadn't thrown me out the window, you'd still be that man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there was so much open. I can't think of another example like this. You know, at the, again, to take the, the, take the classic... Look at my personal growth. Exactly. <laughs> Look at it. Does, 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 does Behold. Again, does, does Han Solo at the end of Star Wars say, well, you know, I've learned to really value loyalty and virtue over my greed. Uh-huh. He doesn't say that. He right. just does it. Yes. And all of these characters had the, almost all of them had those conversations. As Tyrion says, he raises his glass and says, here's to self-betterment. Yeah. And yes. that's the that perils of self-betterment. The perils of self Which shall be my new toast line. Exactly. Always really and good. forever. And that to really me good. again was like an amazingly, uh, I thought it was bizarrely effective that you had these characters going, yeah, we know. We've been watching the show too. Mm-hmm. Um we know, because we've been living it as fictional characters, how we've all changed. And we can see it, too. Tyrion isn't the, you know, whoring drunk that he used to be. Jamie Lannister isn't the amoral egotist that he is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they know it. I do. I have to say, I loved 
there was a lot of kindness in that episode, but like Tyrion is inching his way back towards being Tyrion. Yes. I think he has not had his moment of cleverness to save the day. Like he has not had his resolution. Right. Yes. right. Danny a little bit because of Jorah said yeah. like, yeah, 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 go go hide in the crypts, which are safe. <laughs> well, what? Go but, finish your thought. But basically he like, you know, he's the only one smart enough to sit down and talk to the three-eyed raven. Right. Like, oh, you know everything? And what I would he, like to talk to and you. And we yeah, don't know exactly sir. what he learned. I'm just, right. I, exactly. I don't when know what he learned about him, that, actually. He was now talking to Jamie. He, the, the scene with Bran ended with, no, we don't know what he learned from Bran. Maybe he I learned something interesting. I think we do know, actually. What? So Tyrion is super fatalistic until he talks to the three-eyed raven. And after that, he says that thing when they're all sitting around where he's like, actually, I think we're going to live. He I said that? Did yeah. he say yeah, that? Yeah, he does yeah. say that. It's strange, isn't it? Almost everyone here has fought the Starks at one time or another. And here we are in their castle, ready to defend it. Together. At least we'll die with honor. I think we might live. (laughs) I, I do. Yeah, and then he lists off Jamie and Davos and Brienne's creds, and that's when he accidentally calls her Sir Brienne, right. and that was right, right, what right, becomes right. the that's knighthood interesting. scene. But you think but that yeah. he's got information? Because there, yeah, are... I think he did. He must have. I mean, he he said numerous times before talking with Bran that we're all going to die at Winterfell. This is all horrible, and then. Like all of us, it seemed to me like a pretty striking change of heart. We all, I said earlier that they had perfect information. I thought he was just drunk, but that's a good point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That that, that we knew everything that there was to know, that we knew what they knew, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. There are two exceptions. The first is (laughs) we know that they shouldn't go into the crypt. Mm -hmm. And it's it's out of the point (laughs) where you're like, you're, you're you're almost yelling at these guys, come on. What's in a crypt? You know what? We actually have a voicemail that says pretty much exactly that. Let's listen to it. This is Sarah. I just think that. If I was hiding from an undead army and was fully aware that my enemy does in fact raise the dead, I would not hide in a crypt. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. And and again, the fact that she knows that, that we knew that, that Trisha predicted it two weeks ago before the season even started, you start to wonder what's wrong with these people. Why can't they figure it out? Are yeah. we meant to think that, I mean, it's also like, I. this show has been very kind to all the characters for the first two episodes. Lots of hugging, yes. lots of reunions, lots of, and I was I was game for it. I was up for it. But mm-hmm. that is not Game of Thrones. No. In no. its entirety. But So possibly the first thing or one of the things we see next week in this battle is all the women and children being slaughtered by whites that it's have possible. just risen from the dead. It's possible. And just like, boom. boom. Although... Well, uh, but they'd have to get into the crypt to be able to do that, right? Like, who? can they... No, no, no. no, no. no the, the dead the risen, in the crypt. The, the risen the, the, in the, the crypt. The lids in the graves start rising and the dead people, including, but how can... God, no, headless Ned Stark. I really don't yeah, want to no. see that. I mean, it would be terrible if, like, two, you know, three weeks... Next week, there's an interview with Sean Bean about how he kept his undead cameo <laughs> a secret all these... Oh, I don't want to know about it. Don't they have to be in proximity, though, for the... Oh, the Night King can just raise his hands. Remember at Okay, He just raises his arms and they all stand up. Who knows what the range limitation is on his resurrection. Yeah, but he doesn't have to touch him or anything. He can just do it 
because they're near. I thought of something just a moment ago. Uh, you were talking about how Tyrion doesn't hasn't had his redemptive moment. His yet. cleverness. His moment. cleverness moment. People have said, "Forgive him." People, I, th- I thought that got a little heavy. There yeah. were two moments yeah. where where people said to Tyrion, "Your mind, we value your mind." Yeah. Forgiving him for his screw ups all last season. Uh, there was the other moment that I thought was too written was uh, was Samwell's weird speech about narrative. Oh yeah, we was, I actually pulled that so that we could listen to it again. But the one thing that you said, Trisha, that triggered something in me is you said, "Well, Tyrion hasn't had his moment. Where is he going? He's going to the crypts. So when the dead do rise from the crypt, which is like what ninety nine percent at this point, the only person there to defend them." is going to be Tyrion and his mind. He's at the wall right now. Yeah, but remember, they the had turrets. that whole conversation. He said, yeah, I'm a, but... he said, Davos, you and I will be in the wall. I'm like, no, you won't be. You, Tyrion, because I love your mind and you're yes, amazing. You're going you're to so, the bunker. And yeah, I'm going to need you. Who knows? He's going to the crypt. And that's where I think if he's going to have that redemptive moment to make up for his screw-ups all the last, I don't know, eight episodes. Or do he and Bran have some sort of fake-out plan? (laughs) Well, that's the other thing. Perfect information except for the fact they can't figure out that the dead are down there and are going to rise. And also, they know some stuff they didn't tell us. Like, where are the dragons? Right. Which did not get mentioned yeah, with think, one weird exception. I think exception. that was the other thing that stressed me out about this episode was that there was a lot of time for them to sit around and talk about how they were going to die. And there wasn't a whole lot of time spent on actual strategery. I mean, there was that one scene in the situation the room. The board yeah, yeah but like there wasn't. I That was my concern. Matt Iglesias, that, who I think is usually very funny and smart and charming about Game of Thrones, especially when he does economic analysis. He's on Vox, right? Uh, he's on Vox now. Yeah. He used to do this for Slate. Um he criticizes them. Why, why are they spending so much time like connecting as human beings and not like planning like their battle? I think the implication is, A, they have. Right. Because there are a lot of references, like there's that shot of they've built this weird collapsing bridge over presumably a mode of fire. Mm-hmm. So the, and then they've had these, they've made these maps. And, you know, Brienne says, I've got the left flank. So they, they've been making plans. That's and true. I think, in fact, they've made plans that they haven't told us about. Okay. That there are surprises in store for us from the good guys. Uh, The dragons will appear at a strange moment or they'll lay a trap or something that will happen in the course of the battle to give it a sudden change of direction. Uh There's a quick line in the, we're looking at the map board, where they reference that the dragons can't be there because then they'd be too far from Bran. Right, which struck me as weird. And it also made it very clear to me that Jon and Danny will be riding a dragon each during the battle. there, There was a shot at the very end when just before we have that final shot of Tyrion looking out and then the very final shot of all the White Walkers lined up where where John looked at Danny and there was a nod and they said, okay. To the dragons. To the, pretty much. Yeah. To the dragons. Um, I also think, though, that the in the inside the episode, they talked about wanting to give us at least some of that so that we would know what was supposed to happen in the battle. Uh-huh. Right. right. Like showing us the moat, showing us the like defensive weapons, telling us what the plan was supposed to be so that we have some expectation. And it's like, otherwise it's 120 minutes of people swinging swords. Right, right, right. And, and so they're you know, ha- running around. And, and we can start talking, and I hope we do, about um, other battle movies. Uh, <laughs> you know, In our I spinoff podcast, <laughs> Other Battle Movies. Other Battle Movies. Well, because here's the Nerd thing. recaps Other Battle Movies so, with Peter Sickle. Exactly. So uh, there was a bunch of <laughs> – I, I before we move on to that, though, I want to reference something that they also discussed – in the uh, that map room, the situation scene. room. The situation We're calling room. it the situation, the situation room. room. Thank you. As well, we should. Where they came up with their plan. Well, we can't beat the army, but you know what might work is if we kill the Night King. Okay, how do we kill the Night King? We lure him to Bran. Yes, let's listen to Bran explaining the Night King's motivations for coming after him. He'll come for me. He's tried before many times with many three-eyed ravens. Why? What does he want? An endless night. He wants to erase this world, and I am its memory. That's what death is, isn't it? 
forgetting. Being forgotten. If we forget where we've been and what we've done, we're not men anymore. Just animals. Your memories don't come from books. Your stories aren't just stories. If I wanted to erase the world of men, I'd start with you. I'm sorry. A whole bunch of things there. First uh-huh. of all, Trisha. Yes. You've been asking with a degree of sympathy, what does the Night King want? Are you satisfied? The question was asked and answered. No, exactly. it was not a asked and answered. Night. A long night. No. <laughs> that is not an answer that is yeah. satisfying. No, You're still going to walk up to the spaceship waving the flag and somebody just told you, no, they're here to kill us, Trisha. Yeah. You still you still think that there's some sort I of... I think they want to kill uh, everyone that they is in the way of something they want, but I don't think what they want they is want just... They want them all is uninteresting. Then I'm, they just said so. Yeah. Then, I, then I'm bored. <laughs> How much did you feel like Sam was a stand-in for Benioff and Weiss, who are four episodes away from being done, having created this story that people really care about, but that we will ultimately forget? Sa- Samuel is, of course, a stand-in for George R. R. Martin and Trisha Bobita and <laughs> me and every other nerd who grew up reading this stuff. I don't know if it stands for Benioff and Weiss. Uh, I don't know. It just seems to me like the writers and their concern for like creating this thing that I- is so close to being over... I have no idea. They got idea. a Star Wars franchise. They're yeah, not they're feeling right. that nostalgic. <laughs> I think part of why these episodes are so, so condensed is that, like, they had other stuff they wanted to do. Really? I think HBO would have let them go another is, season. Oh, absolutely. But they had to bring this to a close. I didn't get that speech. It seemed like his hmm. point was, yes, you're right, Bran. That's He's also <laughs> in front of everybody saying, you know everything. Bran, you are correct about all things. You are a source of fact, not right. fiction, because yeah. he knows what has to happen next. So, But the other thing I wanted to ask about in terms of that whole scene is they come up with this plan. All right, what we'll do is we'll fight off the dead as long as we can. But in the meantime, we will lure the Night King to you, Bran, because Bran assumes the Night King is going to come for him personally rather mm-hmm. than sending his minions. And once he does that, we will kill the Night King, presumably with dragons. And that's that line. It says, no, the dragons can't be away from Bran. And I didn't know if he was indicating, well, that's been the plan all along. The dragons will protect Bran. But they must have been thinking about what to do with the dragons. Because on the one hand, the dragons could take care of the army of the dead pretty quickly, yeah. ending all their problems. But on the other hand, there's an evil dragon, an ice dragon out there. And We're going to have a dog fight in the air? I know. And, oh, oh, I bet we be will. Great. And they also know, because they've seen it, uh, Dan and uh, Dan, so I keep calling her Dan and Jory. I guess I'm shipping them. John and Danny, they've seen the Ice King kill a dragon right. pretty easily. So yeah. they know they, uh, the Ice King, they can't get close to the Night King with mm-hmm. their dress. And they, the they must like have it. been thinking about well, all and, this stuff. And anyone with one of those ice javelins basically could yeah. potentially take down a dragon. Right. But presumably, so... I'm guessing that, that since we've only seen the Night King do it, they're assuming that the Night King is the threat. Yeah. So, I mean, they must have put that into their thinking. We can't just fly out with dragons because the Night King will kill the dragons and raise them and then we're all screwed. Right. Yeah, I have I don't know. three other things I want to ask you guys about before we talk about predictions. Okay, of course we can talk about more things than that, but uh, we saw Ghost. I feel like that's noteworthy. I know, just for like what two seconds? Yeah, but uh, he's there. He's there. It's like the people have been asking for Ghost yep. for a long time. Well, people there he is. Were asking. Just hanging out there, obviously CGI'd into the shot, but there he is. Uh huh. Yeah, that's going, fine. Oh, I'm Ghost. Um, do you guys think that Tormund really drank the breast milk of a giant? That was as the a ten- cr- all right. So he's telling that story. <laughs> Is it true? And then he's telling that story, which is a great, funny Tormund story. Oh, so And then he drink, like he drinks the milk or whatever is in, and it's milk of some kind. And, and I'm like, <laughs> the is slurping? Tormund Giant Spain doing prop humor? 
Because really, did he say, I got a great gag to play. Here, somebody give me some milk. This is going to be great. I really found that the least fun fun moment of the episode. Yeah, I did not like it. Because it was silly to me because, like... Wine and ale are a, like a scarce resource in right. this moment. So why, on the night when you should be getting very drunk because you're about to die, <laughs> would you let that much of it go into your beard and not your mouth? Well, uh, like Tormund is a practical man. Wasn't it milk? I don't know. It was it some milky to me. frothy beverage. It looked milky to me. What's that None Star of which Wars was milk? making it oh, into his gosh, face. The stuff from the sirens or the sirens. Yeah. 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 That was a weird moment because oh, I was God. like, no, this is you don't let good beverage go to waste. That was very strange. Somebody else tweeted. They were like, why was nobody taking? That beautiful bread that was clearly there for the taking next to all the soup that Davos was giving out there. Yes. Like, yeah. That was a great did you see that it, Actually, oh, that it, was, was it was, weirdly enough, it was T-Pain who apparently... Yes, it was oh, T-Pain who apparently God. was a big Game of Thrones live, live tweeter. Yeah. And he screams and says, why aren't, they, why aren't they taking all the bread to dip in the soup? And the HBO official yes, account responded, I now I can't think about anything else. Oh, my yeah. God. That that's funny. amazing. I love uh, it. Can I say one more thing about the whole... Uh, until I don't know if this is the right time. I've been thinking about um, battle movies. Oh yeah. Oh good. We're going back. We're to going the back to that. Movies. So nobody cares, but it never really stops him. Is Peter still fucking talking? There was in the pre-publicity, which was mostly in Entertainment Weekly, they talked about how the battle we're going to see next week is the longest battle committed to film, even longer than the longest one to this point, which is the Battle of Helm's Deep in the Two Towers. Right? Like it literally took the longest to film. Right. 55 consecutive right. nights. So it's either the most insane. elaborate production or the most, I don't know what it ends up being, the time on screen, time to produce, whatever it is. So they're talking about the Battle of Helm's Deep. Well, if they're talking about the Battle of Helm's Deep, then they're also probably talking about Peter Jackson's inspiration for the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is a movie called Zulu, which I went and watched when I read an interview with Peter Jackson talking about how that was his inspiration. Did you do this a couple, I feel like I've heard you say this before. yes okay. <laughs> sorry at this point we've been doing this everything i'm saying it's you've like, heard me say i before. know it's been two years that's uh, probably had this jingle. conversation all right do it anyway um i like that you just talk over them now <laughs> yeah i'm sorry I, I was are you gonna play it or not i'll wait if you're gonna play it. No, add in no, post. all right put it in post. all right the so here's the thing as i might have said before <laughs> In the, movie, certainly in the movie Zulu, which is this really great movie you can get over the inherent racism and colonialism, oh. um, basically the way it works is there's this, there's this outpost of British soldiers. There's no opening battle. There's nothing like you know the D-Day invasion at the start of Saving Private Ryan to show you how violent it's going to get. No. Somebody shows up and says, we've just seen the Zulus and they're coming to kill you all. And then you spend an hour before the first shot is fired, just getting to know these people. Who are they? What are their relationships? What are they like? So when the battle comes, you actually have feel stakes. That's what Peter Jackson did for the Battle of Helm's Deep. There's like a 25-minute sequence of just going around and meeting the people who are stuck in this fortress waiting for the attack. And that's what this, I think this episode was, with the huge difference that these are characters we already know. We don't have to be introduced. Right. But we want to spend time with them. We want to see what they've accomplished. We want to see how they've grown. We want to acknowledge how they've grown. So now we know that the people who are going into that battle next week and might die aren't just, you know, game pieces in the great game of thrones. They are real people who have gotten someplace in their lives and have something to lose. I think in a lot of things that are committed to film like this too, they might sort of within the battle go back and forth between those moments or flashbacks or something in the mm. battle at hand. I think that we're going to see some pretty pure uninterrupted battle next yes. week because we, like you yes. just said, 
got rid of all this yes. sort of, uh, you know, plot and dialogue tension. It's done. We might just see a whole lot of people die somewhat right. unceremoniously. Exactly. Next week. Do so, we know? Just chop down that's one exactly by one. Exactly right. Do we know how long next week's episode is? It's like, more like one twenty. Yeah, I an, think I read an hour like, and twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. I just did the math. If we were to start filming a fifty-five night battle today, yeah. we would be done on June sixteenth. Wow. Just well, a we better get started. Fun fact. Yeah. yeah. More of Nerd at Recaps Game of Thrones in just a second. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hey, this is Greta. We're going to get back to me kind of complaining about this week's episode in just a second. But first, I wanted to let you know that Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Segel is made by WBEZ, which is a nonprofit public radio station. The majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you, which is why we are inviting you to take part in our spring fundraising drive. We've got a bunch of awesome Nerdette swag that can be yours, including a really gorgeous Nerdette Recaps tote bag. It's got the names of all these badass ladies who are on Game of Thrones, and then me and Trisha and Peter, and then it says cute patriarchy jingle. It is awesome. I bet you want it. You can get it at wbez.org slash nerdalert. Thanks for your support. talk to you guys a little bit about John and Danny because John told Danny yes he did about his real life parentage yes and she responded much the way he did which was to sort of forget the fact that they banged yeah and to just focus on the uh, throne that was weird because the first thing I would have thought is like oh my god you're my nephew I feel gross yeah if I were her right but um, she would have potentially been forced to marry a sibling anyway because she's a Targaryen yeah. but nonetheless she'd just, probably mention it to the guy she was banging it's like oh my god you're my <laughs> nephew well and I think it like the question it makes me ask is whether they really do love each other you know oh if they that don't love yeah. goes like if you know because it doesn't there's nothing about like the emotional aspect of like maybe this is weird that we love each other and we're related. It's just like, oh, you're supposed to be in charge. Maybe, you know. Because they said they loved each other. I, I, I mean, at least Daenerys said she loved John to Sansa. To yeah, but everything Sansa. Daenerys said to Sansa was political and conniving. Right. Like, Danny doesn't have real emotions. You She's right, sort of right. not I'm capable just, yes, of them. You don't think I'm, so? No. I've never seen her. I've never believed anything that I was meant to believe that character was doing. But also, like, it means that she, like, because the one person who was supposed to care for her and keep her safe, who she ever really got to interact with, her brother, was such a monster. He was the worst. And I just rewatched the first chunk of season one of the show and reminded myself how awful Viserys is. And, like, that's her only point of understanding of, like, what family is. Right. I mean, yeah. I don't think she really loves anybody. And also she loves the idea of power more than she loves anybody. Yeah, I mean, the person who she feels uh, softest towards is Jorah, who's just, like, unwavering, like, who loves her. and so. It's convenient for her. Yeah. Yeah. Although it occurs to me, uh, it turns out that I was not alone in thinking that there's no sexual or emotional chemistry between those two characters. Yeah. It turns out the internet quite agrees with yes. me. Yes, it does. Um, and, and makes the same points, which is like both these actors have managed to depict that in other, with other characters and it seemed convincing. Maybe that's uh, part of the plan so that when they're the, 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 the rift between them, which we're being pointed at, the only sort of tension between characters that remains as we go into the battle, maybe when that rift explodes, 
we won't be going, oh, but I thought they loved each other. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, those guys did not really have feelings for also, each other. Also, even in the world of this show, they've only known each other for a hot minute. Like, oh, even yeah. Brian and Jamie were on the road together for a long time. Yeah. Tyrion and, and Jorah were, like, on that boat together for a long time. Like, those relationships were built out of experience. Danny and, and John have banged a few times and spent, like, a week and a half together, right? Like, how much time has really passed? Right. We only know they banged once, too. It's true. And they That's did their, the make out by the waterfall. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We just know they had sex one time and they kissed one time. You were like, you were like <laughs> unshipping them. Based on what I've seen. Speaking um, of shipping, yes, are we going to talk yes, about Yes, yeah. we do need to discuss Arya and Gendry. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. Pacing. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're just going to go for it. Yeah. Did it seem, did it seem uh, abrupt to you? Because I think there were two scenes between Arya and Gendry before the uh, consummation scene. I didn't think it was abrupt. I also liked that it was kind of very unromantic. It was just Arya being yeah. like, we're yes. probably going to die tomorrow. Hop to it. Here we yep. go. Pretty I, much. Yeah, especially when she's like, you need to take off your own pants. Yeah. Take I off your own was... bloody pants. <laughs> I'm not going to take off your pants for you, you. First of all, I cannot be the only person who was just skeeved out by the whole thing. And it's totally unreasonable, except it's reasonable because we met this actress when she was 12. Right. Yeah. And even though this actress is now, what, I guess, 22. 22, Her birthday was last week. She's 22 years old. She is a full-ass grown adult. And her character is, if not quite that old, certainly 18 or 20. And HBO knew everybody was going to be freaking out. So they tweeted, she's 18, she's 18. It wasn't the exact text (laughs) of the tweet. But they were like, she's 18. She's of age. Even though we all know, we've watched her, literally watched her grow up, Right. It's still, you know, all I can say, it's like, but she's the, where's the little girl, you know? I yeah, mean, it's, it's it was very skeevy. However, the one thing I noted about it, that weird conversation that she has, well, how many women have you slept with? Yeah. And it's almost, it almost read as like she's being jealous, which is weird. I think she was just making sure he had skills. Right. In the end, I think <laughs> it was, it reminded me of nothing so much as Villanelle in Killing Eve. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Because we've talked about the fact that Arya is kind of a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. For good reason. Yeah, she yeah. seemed a little crazy in she, that She's been too, traumatized out of like human feelings. She has a couple of lists. One right. is a kill list. Yes, exactly. This is a different and list. So Fuck it, list, it, marry list, kill list. In the same way that Villanelle in Killing Eve is Sometimes like, oh, I understand you human beings sometimes yeah. engage in this activity. You find it pleasurable. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that's like. I think that's closer to what Arya was doing rather than anything like I've she loved hadn't been my whole life. for him. Yeah, no, no, totally. exactly right. Also, the fact that he slept with three people does not indicate any level of skill. True. Let's be clear. True. <laughs> Somebody's reaction to that was when there's the shot of them sort of like uh, afterwards, and he's asleep, and her eyes are open, and she's sort of staring into the distance. So that's, and some, that's it. That's all there yeah, is. Man. And also, somebody was like, "Should have gone with Padrick." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's Who knew? Amazing. She didn't know. <laughs> Not perfect information. Yeah, I know. If there exactly. had been perfect she information, really she would have been fucking entire... Padre. Exactly. <laughs> she'd really watched the all of Game of Thrones. She would have picked up on that. <laughs> oh, that's such a delightful <laughs> note. So, um, I'm kind of sad to go from that to who's going to die, but I think it's time. Okay. My argument is, I know Peter that you thought that everything was wrapped up pretty tightly. Well, I don't think. To me, that episode was about Jamie. And, like, uh, his complete shift from being an asshole who fucked his sister and pushed Bran out the window to the guy who comes back to Winterfell and apologizes to Bran and knights Brienne. Like, I think he has fulfilled his arc as someone who used to be a dick and now is a good person and therefore must die. That was the most powerful example of that, especially because of that great scene with Brienne. And, by the way, was that the first time we've seen Gwendolyn Christie smile in this entire TV oh, series? Oh, probably. It might have been. I've seen and the sm- welling up without oh, crying. It was, was just... Great. 
threaded and, the you know, needle. It's funny because I was like, oh, I've seen her smile. No, I've seen her smile in like publicity shots. Yeah. And, or, <laughs> right, you know, right. And, and it's, it's, but never on the show. Um, that was the most significant one, but there were other ones like it. For example, when the hound says to Arya, I fought for you. Yes, that one was nice too. Um, when uh, Tyrion says, excuse me, when Jorah says to uh, Danny, I, I, I was so bitter and jealous when you named Tyrion your hand because I saw myself as mm. your closest advisor. But yet, let me tell you that that is right because he is smart and wise and he will serve you. And the, the show was filled with moments like that. Uh, when s- It was filled with moments, but I think like that episode to me was re- it was about Jamie showing up at well, Winterfell. And it was and of course know? the title of the episode came from that scene, A mm-hmm. Night of the Seven Kingdoms. So yeah, it's the primary one, but not the only one. Yeah. And thus I say all of the characters have reached that if not to the same emotional power, the same kind of resolution in their, if you will, journeys. And so they're all equally vulnerable to being killed by a white at this point. I think, think they're all going to die. I think Lil Mormont dies. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. she was like, I'm going to the front. And it was like, okay, oh. bye. Oh, that. that but she's perhaps, so great. She's had so many badass moments. I that love we, her. That, I know. We all love her. But perhaps her most badass moment. Was, she will die in a blaze of glory. Well, her most badass moment was saying, we're done here. Oh. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> We're done. We're done. Uh, but yeah, she probably is going to die. I've been. Uh, some basic. Of, how about that little kid with the scar on her face? The Shireen oh, standing. That was yeah. all, that was almost a resolution for for uh, Davos because Davos, of course, mm. is haunted by Shireen's death, and he meets this girl, and of course, it's not the same. But he he can he can. It's almost as like here's another girl for you to care about. Here's a reminder. Hmm. It, it it served that purpose of bringing him some closure. Everybody has closure, meaning they all could die. Davos also keeps talking about how old he is, which yeah. I think is troubling. In like, all my years, yeah, he yeah. did that to again the in that age. scene. It was like, yep, I made it this far. But as you say, Greta, everybody says something to that effect. We're all going to die here. We're all going to die. It does, but so often in this show, I mean. So often, if someone says something, the inverse is actually true, right? right. I mean, like you think about Grey Worm and Missandei, like making plans for the future. Yeah, yeah they're like, gonna oh die. yeah, they're He's, definitely, he well, definitely uh, dies. Yeah. I don't know, and I, although that we should talk about that moment, which was like because I mentioned, you know, hashtag the fact- Dem Thrones moment of like just acknowledging without really acknowledging because they can't actually introduce the idea of race in the show yeah. at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> but the show has gotten oh. more woke and aware and understands that like it's racist, like the North. Is racist against Missandei and yeah. Grey Worm, and like they just have these moments of like. <sighs> that was such an interesting moment to introduce that whole idea that, that like the North or maybe the entirety of Westeros is a bunch of racist bastards, including the children. Yeah, yeah it's a little weird. To... Yep, it's unsurprising. Yeah, let's go yep. home. It's but I, th- but we're we're all so trained by watching so many movies and TV shows. The classic example is the cop says, "Oh, in a week I retire." Oh yeah, and he's gonna die. And I just, I think they know that, that we've been all trained to see that. And so I don't know if that, like, dialogue, we're going to go look at a beach again. I think it was, again, like, Missandei and Grey Worm are in love. They've achieved that. They've had that emotional thing. Grey Worm has found love, uh, if not actual intercourse. Um, and and th- so they're ready to die. They're all ready to die. Not ready emotionally, they're, yeah. but their stories have but been completed. But to your point, if there's going to be three more episodes yes. after the battle next they week, can't they all can't die. all die. Yeah, I, I know. know. I mean, Tyrion's story definitely hasn't been completed. Yeah, uh, not, not, And like Daenerys and Sansa well, <clears throat> and Jon and Bran. And like, they I think did, all those guys. Yeah. They did make sure to let us Arya. know, too, that Yara is sort of... Uh, ready to accept them at the Iron Islands should right. they need to retreat right. from Which is the battle next week. My, 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 my argument is not that they're all going to die. 
My argument is that the showrunners did a very good job of taking away Mm -hmm. all of the tools that we as analytical, predictive watchers might use to guess who's going to die. And exactly the way I was saying Jorah needs a redemptive death or or the Hound needs a redemptive death. That's no longer – sure he does, but so does everybody. But it could be next episode. It could be next episode. He could survive. They're they're keeping us from playing that game and I respect that. Can the ice dragon – Put out fire by just breathing whatever That's he's breathing really on good it. Question. Because if the big part of their plan is just motes of fire and fire everywhere, yeah, and then they have just sort of like an anti-fire. Th- th- there are going to be two big surprises in the battle scene. One is going to be the appearance of the fire dragons, and the other is going to be the appearance of the ice dragons. And I can't predict the ice dragon, and I can't predict which will come first, which will be more shocking, and when it's in, what's going to happen. But those they're keeping in in up their sleeve. So, do you guys think the Night King is a Targaryen? Ooh. I think well, he's a Stark. No, we didn't. We find out that the Night King was a first man when that scene with the with, yeah. with the, the children uh, of the forest make him yeah. into a White Walker, and, and that was long before the rise. Certainly, the Targaryens and and even the Starks. That was long, long ago. So I don't think so. By putting dragon glass in his heart, which is also how they kept Benjamin Stark alive. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about Benjamin Stark, but we don't have to go there again. We've talked we've talked about how boring it is after this incredibly complex show about human beings and their capacity for good and evil for the final fight to come down against pure evil. In fact, I think Trisha, that's part of your whole. Well, what does the Night King want? What's his? It seems boring if he's just evil. But they say that overtly. What is it? It's death. That's who we're fighting. We're fighting death itself. And it also made me think of, again, uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep. Who, who, what do the orcs want? The orcs are just death. They're just death. The Zulu, what do the Zulus want? They're just death. It becomes a drama not about two opposing sides, each with their motivations, some of which you can sympathize. It's about human beings facing death imminently and what drama arises from that. And it turns out there's a fair bit. Yeah. I know. I won't be actually bored, but I will be disappointed <laughs> okay. if there's not some more. I mean, because we've been given to what we were just talking about, some backstory. The Children of the Forest created the White Walkers. It was like an accidental bioterrorism event right. that they created them <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, And I guess we're just meant to believe that the Children of the Forest are gone and that there's no way to figure out how to defeat them. Or, right. or like, yeah. But it, it also, to have it end with just, well, either we kill all of them or they kill all of us Yeah, in every other war. Eventually, people have to talk again. Well, and Game of Thrones is about talking. I'm going to ask you a question. So, a couple seasons ago, we had the Battle of the Bastards, which was the good guys versus the really bad guy. Did you feel the same? Like, were you like, well, Ramsay, he has feelings, he has desires. We should, we should respect those. No, you were like, Ramsay, what an awful person. Kill him, kill him, kill him. Oh, I was, I'm all for killing them. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> not but about it's, respecting their feelings and desires, is it, as much as it's about knowing that the bad guy is more interesting than just a one-dimensional, like, A one-dimensional evil, machine. and also that everyone fighting for them has no agency at all, has no, like, you know, the right. Tarleys could have bent the knee or not. That was right. interesting. That created dramatic tension. Right. Because they're fighting on behalf of an idea, and so they can choose to continue doing that or not at any right. point. But if it's just evil versus good, right. then the only way to end it is for them to literally destroy all the whites or all the white walkers so the whites fall back down. Right. Which is less interesting to me than having to negotiate a solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Although they didn't really negotiate a solution to the Battle of the Bastards. No, I, but then the Karstarks are back in Winterfell. Yeah. I, I think I, I mean, I see your point, but I guess what I'm coming around to, and I've agreed with you that the great thing about... George R. Martin. I've agreed with you in the past that the great thing about George R. R. Martin is his 
advance on Tolkien was that people there is no like exterior embodied evil. Evil is present in human beings. Right. And it's not just the big bad. It's not just the big bad. But here not, we are. But here we are. And but now I've come around to seeing that that kind of story in the examples I've mentioned now a couple times, has its place and, and can be valued. Yeah, and that fighting death is something we all must do. Right. All men must die, to quote a TV show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to that end, like, is fighting death something we must do or should we just accept death because we're all, all men must die? Yeah. I mean, in a weird way, it gets philosophical. Like, what is death? And, uh, I mean... And what in, is memory in, and story? Especially yeah. considering the reanimation we... of the pig brains that scientists... Yes. I know. Like, what is death? All right. Different week. podcast. Okay. In, in TV shows, death... That recaps pig brain science with Peter Seigel. <laughs> <laughs> in TV shows and movies, death tends to be a form of justice. Death tends to be a good ending for some people and a bad ending for others. Uh, in reality, it's an ending that we all face, and these and what we're in this interesting situation is we're not looking for justice, like or trial by combat, to use right. another concept from this very it's show. Game bowl, I don't it's think. Not, no, not going to yeah. happen. It's about these characters facing something that doesn't have anything to do with justice or what they deserve or what they don't deserve, but it's coming for them anyway. And I've come around. It's been a long trip, but I've come around to the point that this is actually uh, becoming a satisfying way to end this saga. We've talked about whether the Game of Thrones runners are going to give us a happy ending or not. I think not. Well, they just gave us a happy ending for almost everybody we care about in this show. Like I said earlier, yeah, everybody got the resolution. they've lived longer than many of them thought yes. they would. And Brienne got what she wanted, and, yeah, and Jorah got, got what he wanted, okay. and even Samwell, his moment of being embraced by his brothers, you know, mm-hmm. the two left. Um, they all got their happy endings, and it's the show's not over. What which if we is, I think. It? What if we were just like this was the last podcast episode because we were like this was so great we're just Everything not going to watch next so week. Beautifully. Yeah, let's I mean, just call it there while are, it's still good. There are movies I, uh, that uh, I can th- one I can think of. There are others. There are movies um, like uh, Limbo, by a John Sayles movie, which leaves the actual ending of the plot up in the air. Huh. Limbo ends with this plane arriving. You don't know if they're going to be rescued or killed, the principal characters. But what you do know is that the principal characters have had a journey together and they've reached some kind of resolution and a peace yeah. with each other. Their huh. conflicts have been resolved. They understand each other. And the, the implication is almost, well, they might live, they might die, depending on who's in that plane, but it doesn't matter. So in a weird way, if, if this were the last episode of Game of Thrones, it would be insanely frustrating, but also <laughs> kind of cool. Right. You know? Because yeah. in the end, what, what matters in a weird, you know, what matters, you know, the real Game of Thrones were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> and, and, and I almost mean that. Like, I you, love it. Yeah, like it, Brienne finally got such a wonderful ending with, with, with her smiling and her almost weeping with happiness yeah. that you're like, what happens to her now almost doesn't matter in a weird way. Yeah. Everybody quiet, because Peter Sagal's got another goddamn opinion. But Cersei got to die. Cersei, yeah, well, sir, we forgot about her. We need a, we need a, a little, a little coda that's just, and who kills Cersei? And then I'd yeah, be fine. Yeah. And then I want three episodes where we're just from the POV point of view yes. of the the White Walker army, and I want to see what kind of soup they're eating. I want to see whether or not they eat the crusty bread. I don't think they have soup and crusty bread. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so if you want to weigh in, you can leave us a voice memo and email it to us at nerdatrecaps at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us and use the hashtag nerdatrecaps. We have a super sweet newsletter. You can actually sign up for it on our Facebook page. The show is produced by us with help from Justin Bull. Our executive producer is Brendan Banizak. And many thanks, of course, to Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music for making our awesome theme song. I will watch next week. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, obviously, I'm going to watch next. Yes. My God. I don't want Davos to die. That's the one that I think is going to be the hardest. That's going to be tough. I'm going to be really sad if Brienne dies, even though she's a nightmare. We're going to be sad if anybody we spent time with last night dies. But anybody who's just going out to fight the Whites, I think, is a goner. I think if you get to ride a dragon, maybe you're fine. And if you get to stay in the crypt... The crypt, the You're safest place doomed. in all of Westeros. <laughs> An army of the undead is coming. Where should we go? Let's go hang out with the, the dead. dead. The crypt is Honest the safest God, place. God, guys, wake up. How quickly in the in the episode do you think they're going to figure it? Will they figure out that this was a bad idea to send people to the crypt before the dead start rising? Should that be our thing we put money on this week? How I, long it'll take for shit to go down in the crypt? <laughs> and then a bunch of white women and children, like the whites. Women and oh, I thought they get children. killed. They come running out too because yeah. if they die, they immediately then become whites. Also, oh, that's a real problem for the yeah. people fighting. So then, like, like zombie Gilly, basically. Oh, don't even zombie little Sam. Zombie little Sam. Oh, I am maybe I stressed watch it. out. Oh God. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.